from, born in West Palm Beach, and my father started a church there in 1945. And it was, during that time, it was in typical sort of old school Baptist fashion. Every May the 5th was called Homecoming Day, when everybody who had ever been a member of the church came back, and they had special singing and all kinds of things like that. And I was just thinking about that tonight, uh, that I have the honor again to preach, to speak to you, and it's an amazing thing that the Lord gives us these great honors. Let's pray. Our Father, we have nothing that we can stand before you with, and yet you love us anyway. I know that there are people here tonight who are suffering, people here tonight who are having difficulties, and I pray that as we read through this Scripture tonight, you will, you will bless them, that the words that we look at together might be something that they can go home with and know that they've been spoken to by you. And we pray this in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Just Thursday, or actually it was Friday, I heard that uh, a man named Dr. Warren Wearsby had passed away. He's not someone that you might know about, but he was a wonderful minister of the gospel and a fantastic writer. He has written, some of you may be familiar with these little uh, commentaries that are called like Be Faithful, Be This, Be That, commentaries on the whole Bible, all written by Warren Wearsby. And I was thinking when I saw that he had died, it was sadness because he was a wonderful, wonderful, humble, uh, just a wonderful man. I remember years ago when I was still pastor of that church that my father had started, and it was a tough go. That was probably the worst mistake I ever made in my life was to follow after my father in the same pastor. It was a terrible error. Because there's always those people who will say, that's not the way that your father did it. And, you know, what do you say at that point? My father's dead. He wouldn't have done it anyway. You, you, you just don't know what to say at that point. And I remember going to this, uh, this meeting in Birmingham, Alabama, and Dr. Warren Wearsby was preaching there, and he blessed me so greatly. And it reminded me, of what a wonderful thing it can be to hear the Word of God, just, just listen to what it has to say to us. And I was going through a difficult time at that time in my life, and I learned from Dr. Wearsby that whenever we're going through times of difficulty in our life, the most important thing that we can do is focus on the glory of God. Both this tonight, and I'll be back next Saturday night, I'll be thinking about what kept certain characters of the Bible going during really difficult times in their life. And tonight, we'll think about Moses. What kept Moses going was that he focused on the glory of God in spite of all the real difficulties that he might have had. And I want us to, to think a little bit about Moses. You, you know that he is uh, spoken of in Hebrews chapter 11. It's that... Remember, Hebrews chapter 11 is that sort of list of all of these different people who have been faithful to God. And it gives us sort of a mini-biography. And so, I don't have the 
passages of Scripture up on the screen, but I, what I'll do is I'll give you the page number. So if you're using uh, one of these Bibles that you see right in front of you, all you have to do is turn to the right page. So if you don't know exactly how that all works out, you don't know which book follows another, it's okay. I'll, I'll, I'll give you the page number and that'll be fine. And so in in the book of Hebrews, there's this list of all these people, and Moses is among them. And it's on page 1192 where we read this. It's in verse, the 24th verse of Hebrews chapter 11. So if you turn to page uh, 1192, you'll see what the writer of Hebrews had to say about Moses long after his death. There's a lot of writing about Moses during the Jewish period before Christ. Uh, he was this almost, he was almost a superhero of Judaism. There are these stories that Moses could talk from the very time that he was born and that he walked around when he was nine months old teaching people, all these really kind of crazy stories. But here is what the writer of the Hebrews, writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, has to say to us about Moses. He says, by faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. And tonight, I want for us to think about three aspects in the life of Moses, three different times when Moses felt like quitting but he didn't because he focused on the glory of God. And I hope that all of us here, when we are facing difficulties in our life, when we face the sort of problems that Moses faced, we can focus on the glory of God. The first aspect in Moses' life that we'll look about is found on page 56. It's in the very second book of the Bible. It's in the book of Exodus. And this is the call of Moses. Moses has been out as a shepherd for a long time. And so, here, he's run away from, he, he could have been, uh, you know, he was essentially the Pharaoh's son. He could have been a very high up, if not the highest person in Egypt. But he didn't, as we read there in the 11th chapter. And Moses runs away when he's 40 years old. He runs away from Egypt. He lives out taking care of sheep and cattle for another 40 years. And so when he's 80 years old, God comes to him in this passage in Exodus chapter 3. And it's there. This is a story that we all remember about Moses. There's this shrub, this bush, and God comes to Moses and he says, I want you to be the one that leads all of my people out of Israel. And so we learn from this, this first aspect when the task is too great, focus on the glory of God. God calls us all to big tasks, not because He calls big people, but because He is a big God, and He wants to glorify Himself and not us. And Moses thinks that the task that he is being called to is too big for him. He can't do it. And so he says to God, I think you've got the wrong person. Moses sees this bush burning, and it's, it's not being burned up. There's a place today where you can go, and they say, this is the bush. This is the burning bush. And people take bus rides for four or five hours out of Israel to go down into Egypt and see this particular bush that they say is the one where God called Moses. And what we learn from this is that God 
God wants us to, God wants to provide us leadership. He's saying to Moses, this is important. You are going to be the one who leads people out, but you can depend upon me. When the task is too great, and we focus on the glory of God, and you see it there in that passage in Exodus chapter 3, the first couple of chapters of Exodus are about Moses being, you know, thrown into the water, and uh, the Pharaoh's daughter coming there and finding him. And then in Exodus chapter 3, which is on page 56, there's this story of Moses when he's looking, and he sees this burning bush, and he realizes that God in His glory is there speaking to Moses. And Moses says, I can't do it. It's just not for me. God is concerned with the suffering of His people. And that's what He says to Moses. You remember that at the beginning of the book of Exodus, there's this uh, interesting passage because the, the book of Genesis ends with the death of Moses. Uh, of Joseph. Joseph is in a casket in Egypt. And then Exodus begins with this story, there arose a Pharaoh who knew not Joseph. And so, they, they don't, it's, something has happened. There's been some kind of a change in the dynasty of Egypt. And the, the Jewish people at that time, rather than being treated well as they were when Joseph was high up, now they're being treated as slaves and they're being beaten and the male children are being killed, and all sorts of things like that. And God wants to provide help. He is concerned with His people. And if you are today are facing some sort of difficulty, some sort of problem that seems overwhelming to you, I promise you that God wants to give you help, just as He did His own children of Israel. And that when the task of overcoming this problem seems too great, we focus on the glory of God. God wants to provide all of us with opportunities. He's not, he's not looking for big people, but He's looking for little people whom He can give great, great tasks to so that He can glorify Himself and not you. There was this gigantic, task ahead of Moses, millions of people that he was supposed to lead out away from Egypt. And you remember the whole story about how the Pharaoh wouldn't let them go, and Moses said, let my people go, and then there are the, all these different plagues that came, you remember? There were flies, there were frogs, all these different things happened because of the fact that the, the Pharaoh wouldn't let the people go. And so finally, the Pharaoh said, after the death of the firstborn, Pharaoh said, okay, fine, get out of here. And Moses gathers up all his people, and he leads them out of Egypt, heading into the promised land. And amazingly enough, Pharaoh changes his mind, you remember, and chases his people. And Moses has these you know, you can imagine. It's hard enough for you to get your kids into the van on Sunday morning. Imagine if you had a million people that you're trying to get moving. It's incredible. Really just amazing that this was able to happen. And they stand there in front of the, the Red Sea, and they realize this, this is something's gone horribly wrong here. You remember that. They have Pharaoh's army in back of them and the Red Sea in front of them. And they know nothing. They don't know what they should do. And God in His amazing, amazing power 
parts the Red Sea, and Moses goes through there. And then when the armies of Pharaoh try to follow him, the Red Sea closes up and drowns them. We've all, we've all heard that story. But we haven't realized what an incredible thing it was for Moses to say to Pharaoh, probably the most powerful country in the world at that time was Egypt, and the most powerful leader was Pharaoh. And Moses says to Pharaoh, you've got to let my people go because my God says it's absolutely imperative. And Egypt had all different kinds of gods at this time. They had a crocodile god. They had cat gods, believe it or not, the like regular cat gods. They had crocodile gods. They had all different kinds of gods. And if you look carefully at these different plagues that fall onto Egypt, they are all an attack on some deity. So, uh, the, the Egyptian people had a fly god, so God sends a swarm of flies and the people hate them. Uh, Egypt had a, a, a frog god, and so they, God sends a, frogs everywhere. You read the text, it says frogs were in their, in their beds, they were in their cooking plates, they were everywhere. And they hated them finally. And God is showing to the Pharaoh of Egypt that he is the God above all gods. That he is Yahweh, the one who created everything. And finally, even though the task seems too great, Moses focused on the glory of God and the task eventually happened. Moses was able to lead the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt into the promised land. So when the task that God has given you seems too great, focus on the glory of God, not on your own ability. There's a second incident in the life of Moses that we should look at, and that is when the people are too foolish that's when we should focus on the glory of God. There's a very, very interesting story that happens at the end of the book of Exodus. It's actually on page 86. It's Exodus 32. And what happens is this. Moses is up on the mountain praying for them. And while he's up on the mountain praying for them and getting the law of God, the people of Israel think, you know, he's been going a long time. Ah, this is not good. He's probably up there dead. And so they, they go to Moses' brother Aaron, you remember. Aaron helped Moses. Aaron was a better speaker than Moses. And Aaron says, okay, this is what we'll do. We'll take all the gold that you have and we'll make this golden calf. It was an idolatrous kind of thing. They were making an idol. And Moses, you remember, He comes down from the mountain, and he hears singing and dancing in the camp of the Israelites. And he says, what is going on here? He steps down, and he realizes that these Israelites who know Yahweh, they are dancing around, worshiping the idol of a golden calf. And he comes down, he breaks the plates. You remember that from the movie, if nothing else. You remember Moses breaking those those tablets and coming down into the camp and saying, what is going on here? What in the world are you guys doing? And this is, the, I think, the most one of the funniest lines in all the Bible. And 
you, you can see it in Exodus 32. It's, what happens is that Moses comes to Aaron, and he says to him, what, where did this thing come from, and, and what's going on, and why are you worshiping other gods? You know Yahweh is your God. And Moses is really angry. God is angry. And Moses comes and he asks Aaron, what is going on here? And why are you doing this? And Aaron, in this excuse that you would expect from a third grader, he says, you know, we just put in the gold and out came this calf. We don't know what it is. We don't know. It seems crazy to us just as it does to you. You know, when your kids say, no, I didn't hit her. I fell on her. That was, you know, no ill intent. That's the kind of excuse that Aaron is giving. Crazily enough, we put in this gold, calf comes out by itself. We're as stunned as you are, Moses. And God was so angry, he said to Moses, listen, I will wipe out these people. I will wipe out these people, and we will start again. They will not be the people of Abraham. They will be the people of Moses. Imagine that. Moses could have had his people instead of Abraham's people. The people were incredibly foolish. They had gone and worshipped after another god. And yet Moses prays to God and says, no, please, don't wipe out these people. I know that they've done wrong. I know that they've not been what they should have. But Moses, when he is on that mountain, he is focusing on the glory of God and not on the foolishness of the people. When the people around you do stupid things... And when they disappoint you in incredible ways, when people say and do things to you that you could never, ever have expected them to do, focus on the glory of God. People will do things at the most inopportune times. Moses was up on the mountain praying for them. And then they decided, well, let's start up Let's start up the church of the golden calf. And he came down and he find, find, finds that. And it's people often will disappoint us at the most inopportune time. And yet Moses loved them anyway. When the people disappoint you, focus on the glory of God. People will very often shift blame from themselves. And that's what Aaron did. It's in the 24th verse, if you want to see it, what happened of that uh, 32nd chapter. Aaron says, So I told them, whoever has any gold jewelry, take it off. Then they gave me the gold, and I threw it into the fire, and out came this calf. There he is, just saying, this is the craziest thing. We're, 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 we don't know what's going on here. When I was a, a kid, my friend and I were playing a catch, and I threw the ball too high and too hard and broke out a window. And the owner came running out saying, what's going on here? And both of us said, well, I don't know. 
something happened and the window broke, but we don't know what happened. He said, what about this ball? Huh, that is ours, but we don't know how it broke the window. That's exactly what Aaron is doing there. And that's precisely what people who will, will break your heart, they will, they will do to you what you could never have expected, and yet God keeps Moses focused on his glory. There was a great sin. This, this idolatry was a great sin. They knew better than that. They had come from a land of idolatry where Egypt had all these other kinds of gods. If anybody knew not to worship any other god but Yahweh, the people of Israel did, and yet they did it anyway. And yet, God in His wonderful grace forgave them. When people break your heart through foolishness, focus on the glory of God. There's one final incident in the life of Moses that we should look at. We've looked at the, the, the burning bush and learned when the task is too great, focus on the glory of God. We've looked at the, the calf and we've learned when the people are foolish, focus on the glory of God. And now we come to the end of Moses' life and we realize when the rewards seem too meager, Focus on the glory of God. The first five books of the Bible were written by Moses. Deuteronomy is a Greek word essentially that means second law. Deuteros means second. Namos means law. Deuteronomy is the second law. Moses is, again, telling them what they should learn and what they should do as God's people. And so, at the end of the book of Deuteronomy, on page 227 of your text, right before the book of Joshua, to uh, 07, I'm sorry, and you'll find there Deuteronomy chapter 34 on page 207. And you'll find that it tells us about the death of Moses. And we realize that where Moses was, he's on this mountain. And at, from that mountain, you can go home and look it up, from that mountain, uh, Moses could see all of Israel. He could see the promised land. And yet, because he had been sinful, God said, you can't go into the promised land. Remember? Joshua had to be the one that led them into the promised land. Moses wasn't able to go. And the rewards at that time in Moses' life, I'm sure they seemed too meager. For you, you may have been serving God for a long time, and it may seem that the rewards are too meager. But when they seem that way, focus on the glory of God. <clears throat> this is the end of Moses' life. And yet, in spite of all that he had done for the people of Israel, in spite of leading them out of the land of Egypt, in spite of telling them what they shouldn't, shouldn't do, there's no going away party. There's no real send-off. Nobody comes to Moses' funeral. He could see the promised land. He could see it, but he couldn't go in there. Here's Moses, at the end of his life, had done virtually everything to serve the God, Yahweh. And now, the people are going into that land without him. The rewards seemed very meager at that time. Look at it, but you can't go there. And it's amazing 
what Moses does in this book of Deuteronomy. Moses does two things that are amazing. First of all, he, he reminds the people of what God had done for them. All through this book of Deuteronomy, there, you'll, you'll hear him say, remember, remember your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. He is reminding all those people, not what he had done for them. He doesn't say, remember that I was with you when we came out of Egypt. I'm the reason you came out. Remember that I could have had you all destroyed, but I didn't. I prayed to God that he wouldn't destroy you. He doesn't say any of that. He reminds the people of what God had done for them. We should make it a pattern in our life to spend time remembering what God has done for us. Only a few pages further in the chapter, Joshua leads the the people of Israel into the land. And as they cross the Jordan River, God, just like he did for the Red Sea, he parts the Jordan River for them. And he says to the 12 tribes of Israel, pick, each of you pick up a stone that's from the Jordan River. And they make this pile of stones. And, and they are told, whenever anyone asks you what this pile of stones is about, whenever your children ask you what this pile of stones is about, you tell them that the Lord has been faithful to you and brought you through the Jordan River. All of us ought to have some method in our life for remembering the faithfulness of God, whether it be stones that we pile up or a journal that we keep or whatever it is. It's important. He tells them what they need to remember is the faithfulness of God. And if God has been faithful to us in the past, He will be faithful to us in the future. Moses reminds the people of what God had done for him. But the second thing that he does, he encourages each tribe. If you read through the last few chapters of Deuteronomy, you will find that Moses has a, a message for each of the 12 tribes. And each of the 12 tribes find this message of encouragement. Moses holds no grudges. He doesn't say, I hope that that tribe does well because they were obedient, but you guys, I hope God destroys you. No. He encourages every one of them. When the rewards seem too meager, we focus on the glory of God. The book of Jude in the ninth verse, only one chapter in Jude, in the ninth verse it tells us that God buried Moses, and that there was this battle between an archangel and Satan over the body of Moses. And we look at Moses here, and we see him watching the people walk away. Those people that he had led out of Egypt, those people that he had been with for 40 years, and now they're walking away. They're going into the promised land and he's not. We feel, feel bad for Moses. But that's not the last thing that we hear about Moses. There's another time that Moses appears, not in these first five books, not even in the Old Testament. But there's another time that Moses appears in the book of Matthew. In the 17th chapter, Jesus had gone up onto the mountain of transfiguration inside the promised land. 
And while he was up on that Mount of Transfiguration, two figures appeared to him and those with him, the figure of Moses and Elijah. Moses finally makes it into the promised land. And he makes it there to remind us that our only hope is not in Moses. Our only hope is the one who is God, Jesus Christ. Even Moses needed Christ to make it into the promised land. So tonight, when the task is too great for you, focus on the glory of God. When the people are breaking your heart, focus on the glory of God. When the rewards seem like they're too meager, focus on the glory of God. Years ago, there was on Broadway a play based on Exodus. And it was mainly based on a variety of songs, African-American songs that had been sung in the 1800s. A lot of singing. And toward the end of the play, Moses sees the promised land and the people in the play. They're all so hyped up. They're singing and they're dancing and they're on their way into the promised land that they've been waiting for for 40 years. Finally, they're going to go in there. And as they dance and sing and walk toward the edge of the stage, Moses is standing there by himself just in a small spotlight while the other people are hugely happy that they're moving into the promised land. Moses stands there by himself. But then in the last words of the play, Moses looks up and he says, You're with me, ain't you, God? I know you are. I know you are. Moses had some difficult times just like all of us. The most important thing we can remember, the thing that kept him going in the midst of difficulty was that he focused on the glory of God. There was, years ago, a missionary and his wife coming back to the United States at the same time that President Roosevelt was coming back from a hunting trip to to, uh, Africa. So they came back on the same ship. And when they got there in New York Harbor, there were thousands of people cheering and yelling for President Roosevelt. There were people there to help him carry his luggage to get him right to the car, to take him to the finest hotel. But the missionary and his wife were not met by great crowds. They were not met by someone to carry their luggage. No bands played while they came off the ship. And finally, when they dragged their luggage to a small hotel... He complained to his wife. He said, this is not right. We've been over in Africa for years and years serving the Lord. And nobody meets us. But the president goes over there, shoots some animals, and he has thousands of people. It's not right. It's not fair. Somebody should have met us. And she said to him, don't be foolish. You're not home yet. And that is what we should all remember, that in spite of the trials that we face, we focus 
on the glory of God. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for your servant Moses, who has been to us tonight a great example. But we thank you more for your son Jesus Christ, who is not just a great example, but who is our salvation, and Moses' salvation, and the salvation of everyone who loves him. We pray tonight that you will bless those who have been able to hear this word, that you will indeed speak to their hearts, and that whatever task they are facing, whatever they feel like they should quit, Lord, teach them to focus on your glory. And we pray this in the name of our great God, Jesus Christ. Amen.